So residents of the town Grindvik in Iceland were evacuated last week due to severe earthquakes as a magma tunnel formed beneath the town. Scientists in Iceland are now saying that there's a significant likelihood that the nearby volcano will erupt. So today we're talking to two researchers from UNE, Ria Mukherjee and Nick Tailby about volcanoes and what's happening underground right now in the region. So can I get you both to just introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about what your areas of ex- expertise are? Hi, this is uh, Ria and um, so I'm a geologist, I am a lecturer here at UNE and my area of research is actually um, on magmatic ores, so mineralization that forms as a result of igneous activity. And I mostly deal with these mineralizations which are really old. So we're talking about like between 3.1 to 2 billion years. So yeah. Great. So um, my name's Nick Talby. I'm also a lecturer here. Um, so I've been here about a year. In terms of what I do, I'd say that most of my research is, is revolving around how the continental crust forms, when and where. So I like to study the planetary bodies in our solar system, so Earth, Mars, the Moon. And then we try to figure out what the conditions were like on these bodies really early on in their history. Um, I mean, that's a really sort of big picture question. So yeah, I did my PhD at ANU. Um, I did a postdoc with NASA, and then um, I did a I was a research fellow at the American Museum of Natural History, and now I'm back in Australia, and we're here to talk about volcanoes in Iceland, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and you're <laughs> probably a really good person to talk about this as well, Nick, because Iceland is one of the most volcanically active regions in the world, right? Because it sits on a, on a continental divide? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it is one of the most volcanically active places on planet Earth. Um, and it's actually, it's one of these weird confluences that you see in geology. So it's a there, there's this, what we call a mid-ocean ridge, a North Atlantic mid-ocean ridge. So that's a spreading centre. This is what you were referring to just before. So um, these, these tend to be quite active volcanically. But Iceland is also above a, a hotspot, just like Hawaii. And so you have these you know, two very productive sort of magma-producing areas um, meeting in this place that is the island of Iceland. And somewhat ironically, my PhD office mate who is a volcanologist, ended up marrying an Icelandic guy. And so I spoke to her a few days ago. Um, so we've been following this quite closely. It's actually quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Ria, with the minerals that get formed in volcanic eruptions, are they dependent on the location or do we get a very similar spread across volcanoes? That's actually a very good question. So I think uh, the entire control in terms of mineralization is dependent on the magma composition. Mm-hmm. And that itself is dependent on which part of the mantle that magma is being produced um, at. And uh, also, in a way, so which part of the mantle you're melting to produce the magma and also the tectonic setting. So what kind of tectonics are we talking about? So Nick just mentioned about Iceland, which is a spreading center. And that's a mid-oceanic ridge, which is the tectonics, which is the most prevalent tectonics for forming your oceanic crust. So the majority of our oceanic crust is getting formed at the mid-oceanic ridge. So Iceland is one of that. And then you've got the hot spot, which is, you know, a constant pool of magma or or, or a constant supply of magma that kind of keeps happening, right? So you've got these centers, uh, you've got mid-oceanic ridges in different parts of, I mean, spread across the globe. Um, And uh, you've got as he, as Nick mentioned, that you've got also hot hot spots, say in Hawaii. So you may have similar types of uh, types of tectonic setting, but it's also it's a lot of it's a lot of complication because you 
the degree to which your mantle is melting, the amount you're melting the mantle, what part of the mantle that's melting, the temperature of the eruption, everything contributes to the magma composition, which ultimately will contribute to what kind of mineralization you will see. So there will be a diversity um, that you would expect um, across the globe. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So we see quite commonly earthquakes happening before volcanic eruptions. Why is it that these earthquakes usually herald an eruption? Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, this is just totally in the back of my head, but I wanted to yeah. build on that, that previous comment yeah, go for just it. a little bit because yeah. it's, it's really quite a fascinating thing to study volcanology. Mm-hmm. So one of the real key players, like, like Ria said, is source melting, right? Mm-hmm. And so changes in composition can result in changes in mineralogy. One of the really important parts of a, of a place like Iceland is the interaction of the magma with water. Yeah. Okay, and so, you know, if we think back to previous eruptions in Iceland, the probably, everyone probably remembers one from a few years ago where that erupted under a glacier. And that sort of, once you start to dissolve water into a magma, that's when it starts to get these explosive ash clouds. Mm. And that's what does all the damage, right? And so it's not just, I mean, that's probably the most important thing is composition, but mm. how it interacts with water. And that's what people are kind of worried about here in this Icelandic eruption is if this thing erupts underwater versus on land, that can have huge consequences in terms of, you know, how much you delay transport, how much infrastructure is damaged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that magma tunnel, that has gone out to sea. So there is a, a genuine chance that it could erupt underwater rather than under the town. Well, what I have been reading about and what they have been monitoring in terms of their ground substance. So, I mean, to build on to build on from the question that you mm. asked that, why are the earthquakes uh, predating an eruption? And the reason for it is, so think about like, a viscous magma, which has a significant volume and mass, and it's trying to kind of, um, you know, have its way up to the surface. And in doing so, it's while it, it tries to make space for itself to kind of come up to the surface to erupt. And in doing so, there's, a, there's the pressure that the magma has, and it tries to create with the help of that, you know, the, the kind of pressure that is building up in the magma, which could be not only just its own pressure, but also fluids that are there in the magma that can start dissolving to form fluid pressure. All of that kind of will try to overcome the surrounding pressure of the crust to kind of break open fractures. And it's when these fractures, the weak planes are just, you know, like once the magma with the help of its pressures trying to kind of create openings and cracks for it to erupt, that's when you would have the earthquakes. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, one of the significant things because uh, in, in uh, Iceland, they've been monitoring it around October that there's been a lot of seismic activities. And around the 9th or the 10th, there were like 2,000 uh, earthquakes that were happening around Grindavik. Uh, and that's where, um, you know, and these were like, I mean, can you imagine 2,000 earthquakes on, a, on one particular day, and it's yeah. been happening ever since. So there's definitely, which kind of is giving an indication that there is hap- things happening underneath. There is magma that is trying to come up, and because of that, the manifestation of that is just these earthquakes. So over a period of a week, I think, now there is still a consistent number of uh, earthquakes that are happening, maybe around 1,400 or so, but the magnitude of it is actually decreasing, which is kind of making them perhaps predict that there is magma now, but it's stalled beneath mm. the crust. It's no more trying to wa- make its way up. It's kind of stalling. 
the question is when. So everyone's yeah. just waiting for that. Yeah. yeah, that's classic volcanology, right? All you can do is monitor these systems and yeah. sort of provide a best guess. Mm. Yeah. So how exactly do you monitor volcanic activity? What does it look like? So there are a whole bunch of different techniques we can use. Um, and, and by we, it's probably usually graduate students or <laughs> volcanologists themselves. Um, but sort of, you know, obviously the one that we've been talking about quite a lot today, these seismic arrays. So you have these seismometers and they're basically grids, right? And so at a place like Iceland where you have rifting, um, you can monitor, you know, after an earthquake, you can monitor the arrival time. Of, of an earthquake quake shock waves, right? And so if you do that at enough locations, you can see the differences in the arrival times and that provides you some information about the 3D geometry of the magma chamber itself. And so it's for this reason, for example, you can see the arrival times are changing that we can see that this magma is actually rising in the crust. So that's one of the ways you can do it. And there are a bunch of others. You can basically monitor what we call the topography or the physical geography of, around the volcanic um, edifice itself. So as these magmas rise through the crust, they're actually very, very buoyant. That's what causes them to rise. And as a response to that, you can see essentially bulging in the crust. So if you think to... Um, a place like Mount St. Helens, it's a different style of volcano, but we actually physically saw the mountain change prior to the eruption. And we are seeing something very, very similar in Iceland today. You can see um, the geography of the, of the region is changing. And, you know, there's some really obvious examples, things like cracks, like everyone's talking about the cracks in the news right now. Um, and there are other things we can do too. Um, so uh, there are a bunch of gases that come off these, these are, um, magmas. And those gases tell us quite a lot about um, how soon this is likely to blow. So for example, um, at, at, the, at the location right now in the um, peninsula, we know that the gases coming out of the ground are actually me uh, magmatic in nature. So we know from its oxygen and water, so its oxygen, hydrogen, sulfur ratios, this is primarily fluids derived from the mantle, mm -hmm. which is a staggering thing. So, you know, there's not one answer. You use an array of technologies and you use things like drones to get up close and safe to, to the volcano. Right. Did I miss anything? I think just to add one more point, yes, uh, the, the, the gases, they are measuring that definitely. And they're also apparently measuring the ground subsidence. Yeah. So there's like deformation. So it's like rifting. Mm. So there's faulting happening and there's ground subsidence as well because it's, it's a normal fault. So there would be like... So if you rift two things apart, like two plates apart, there'll be uh, subsidence, right? So similarly in the ground there, where the where the faults are happening, so apparently they're measuring the subsidence, and it's pretty pretty alarming because around Grindavik, it's like three to four centimeters per day apparently that yeah. they're measuring, yeah, which is a lot. That's why they're predicting that probably that would be the epicenter for an eruption. And that's why there's just two places which are right now in the news for having the eruption, and that's because of the ground subsidence as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Actually, so, can I build on that? Yeah, one? yeah I, please. I just, yeah. I'm getting more and more excited as we talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it is. One of the things I, I would recommend you do, if you're getting excited about the eruption itself, mm -hmm. I, I recommend going into, like, Google Earth or just even mm. Google Maps and go down and have a look at this part of ice, and you can actually see the rift just from the satellite imaging. And it's wow. a series of what we call an echelon veins. You oh, know, wow. simply these are tears in the crust and you can mm. see them. Um, and it, it's really sort of the scars of tectonics and it's quite obvious in a place like Iceland. Right, mm. I, like, I like the word scars of tectonics. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I might use that for, for our yeah. quote. Um, it kind of raises a question though, because we've just seen with, with Hunga Tonga, 
um, like 2021, that it, it actually completely blew an island apart. What kind of force are we expecting behind this potential or nearly imminent eruption in Iceland right now? Do we have an idea? So, yeah, that's a really good question. So most of the eruptions you see in, in well, let's take that a step back. When we talk about explosive forces in, in volcanoes, we're talking about the volcanic explosive index. Okay, that's on a log scale, right? And so it's like one to, I believe it goes to 10, right? So a 10 is a huge eruption and we've only seen, what, two in the last two million years? Yeah. Um, Taupo in New Zealand was one. And um, so something like Mount St. Helens is a five. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the eruptions you see in Iceland are around a one or a two, yeah. right? And that, that kind of eruption that we see in Iceland is what we call an effusive eruption, right? And these effusive eruptions are basically those very liquidy eruptions that you see. It's a very non-viscous magma. We, they're what we call sort of fire fountain eruptions. It's where you see that glowing red-hot magma that's flowing like liquid. So they're really photogenic ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can actually get safely up, up to them quite close. Now, again, with this disclaimer of what we were talking about earlier, if this eruption occurs underwater, then we've got issues. Yeah. And that's when it can do serious damage. So is that due to the, the water boiling or the added pressure? It's the temperature difference. I would say it's something <laughs> boiling hot. Yeah. And then you have like the water, which is, it's just seawater. And it's, it's like cold, much colder than that. Mm. And that is just, call, it, that's going to cause your, uh, the magma to just bubble off and kind of exactly. explode out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you think of it as, the way we try to teach it with, with undergrads is that we say, imagine a magma as a Coke, a Coke can, right? Yep. So the Coke would be the magma mm-hmm. and the CO2 dissolved in the Coke is the water, yeah. right? If you have the magma, it's just the same thing, right? If you have this hot magma and it's got a little bit of H2O dissolved in it, it's fine. But you release the pressure on the system, which is an eruption, and all of a sudden that, that water vapor catastrophically expands. It goes from dissolved in the melt to a separate vapor phase. And it's that, that expansion, that volume expansion that does all the damage. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, are we expecting that it's going to create another huge shockwave? Is that, is, does that depend on the volcanic uh, index as well, like the size of it that determines the shockwave, or is that something else? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So most of the damage... Um, so or particularly in shockwaves in volcanoes, usually that relates to catastrophic failure of, of the cap rock, right? And so um, you look at some of these big eruptions at like Stromboli, Mount St. Helens, Pinatubo, Unzun in Japan. Most of that big shockwave is when the flank of the volcano, it fails, right? And so that's where you're opening the Coke bottle in the analogy I was using earlier. This one, if it, if it erupts underwater, you'll, you'll have a, a minor shockwave, but it won't be anywhere near, near as powerful as one of those, what we call an arc volcano. I think the one that happened at Tonga, though, yeah. that was underwater as well, and that was pretty much, yeah. it was pretty... It circled the globe. Yeah, like exactly, times, and yeah. that caused shockwaves as well. Yeah. So it depends, I would say. It depends on the eruption style. You can't really yeah. predict that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the Tonga one, it's an arc volcano, so it mm-hmm. already has 2 to 3% water in it, whereas mm-hmm. the lavas we're talking about in Iceland, yeah, they've only course. got PPM. So yeah. Yeah. you're so already starting PPM? with something dangerous, parts per million, very little. Yeah. 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 Sorry, we went no, a bit that's technical okay. on that yeah. one. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's why I'm here because I don't know any of this. But uh, so yeah, the the parts per million that's the water in in the magma. In yeah. the magma for Iceland, that's what Nick was saying. Yeah. So yeah, I mean for Iceland, it depends if yeah. it's if it's underwater. That's what Nick was saying. Yeah. Then it could be, but 
just because it's mostly basaltic in nature basalt is the main magma we are talking about and that's less in viscosity you're expect i mean the people in grindavik are worried because if there's an eruption they're saying that it'll get buried the entire town is mm. going to get buried because the magma is just less viscous it's just going to flow and cover the entire town and that's the worry a lot of people i i think there's a little bit of a conflict with researchers as well they're predicting that it's probably not going to be as as um, explosive as the 2010 one but they are saying that that eruption is imminent and if mm-hmm. it happens when it happens that's the question and if it happens and perhaps the entire town of uh, grindavik could be just buried and yeah. what are preventative measures that can be put in place for a, a less viscous magma oh that's um i think for i mean iceland itself is i think doing a great job i mean they've evacuated people again you never know when the yeah. question is when and that's just the fascinating thing about geology you don't know when exactly the magma is going to erupt so it could be months mm. and the best way out is just kind of removing these people uh, and evacuating the town itself though it's a small town there around 4000 people residing there they have been evacuated safely the other thing what i read about was that they are apparently putting um, certain barriers in place uh to divert the lava flow if that happens uh because apparently there 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 are these thermal power plants um that are there and if and that could get like severely damaged by the mm. magma and stuff and that could be pretty kind of um, pretty catastrophic pretty, pretty yeah. ca- uh, catastrophic exactly so what they're trying to do is just apparently build some barriers to so as to divert the lava which i think is pretty fascinating i i would say absolutely yeah Yeah, so does it have to be like some specific kind of stone to withstand the heat of the magma? Um I I would say no. I think they probably just use the local resources they have yeah. anyway, which is the lava itself yeah. to begin with. Mm. Yeah. So that's a that's a a good thing to think about. Um so you know, I've been reading up on this about a bit as well and what I read was that this area where it's currently active has been dormant. for like 800 years up until the past I think since 2021. So what can change to cause a a previously dormant region to become active again? Yeah, so it's funny, you know, you just talk about 800,000 years in in geology. 800 years only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so that's actually a blink of an eye when yeah. it comes to geology. Yeah. Um But you're right. I mean, like some volcanoes have very long what we call periodicity. So something like Mount Rainier in, in North America that's got a hundred thousand year periodicity. So you know, trying to predict when that thing will erupt is, yeah. is quite a challenge. Now, um, it, you're right, though. It has it has been 800 years since it, it last erupted. Um, so what can change? You know, you're talking an eruption is the end product of a much much more complex cycle of melting. So you know, you're melting at you know. hundreds of kilometers of depth and then that is ascending through the crust and it's interacting with the crust and often it's finding and creating it's it's creating through this buoyancy new pathways to get to the surface and so it's not uncommon for eruptive centers to change um as a function of time and so you know this might erupt today and then in 200 years time the conduit might move a little bit mm-hmm. and so that's kind of par for the course really when it comes to rift volcanics yeah mm. So it's it's just about the pathway. It's yeah. it's it's difficult to predict that. It's yeah. how the magma is going to kind of how the magma is branching out. So in the case of just to build on that uh, from Nick. So in the case of Iceland for example, it's we're talking about the rift system, we're talking about the mid-oceanic ridge. So the magma over here is 
so the magma from the mantle that's coming up it's just going to branch out into several conduits mm. several dikes and you know interconnected network of fractures so you never know which which part of the pathway would it choose to kind of place itself so it was 800 years ago but that doesn't mean that it, anything can happen and and as nick pointed out correctly that 800 years is just nothing geologically yeah. <laughs> and when we were taught about volcanoes in in our university we were always say that you know it's dormant at the present moment yeah. you never know what can right. happen so yeah. yeah 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 and then we when I, we talk about movement too i think it's i guess i should be careful and say it's probably going to be in the near vicinity of the rift mm -hmm. yeah. you know but it'll just be re very regional movements. Yep. Yeah. 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 So we can definitely expect more activity in this area in the mm -hmm. future. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, surely. Yep. Yeah. So it's just about being prepared for that, I guess, for everyone in the area. Yeah, I think they, they, the Iceland has actually done a really good job. Like you said, like building these earthworks to, mm -hmm. to you know, steer the, the eruption away from the power station and the Blue Lagoon, that's a very proactive stance mm -hmm. when it comes to volcanology. And that's one of the things, you know, we can monitor the volcano, but being proactive and, and building the earthworks, it, it helps you down the track. So you've mm -hmm. got to be both reactive and proactive. Yeah. I suppose living in somewhere so volcanically active, they kind of have yeah, to. And, and that's just so fascinating. That's what I was saying. I'm sure for the people of Iceland, that may not be, re I mean, it, it's such an uncertain time to be living in Iceland at the moment. But geologically, it is just so fascinating, actually. Absolutely. And as you were saying, uh, it has had three eruptions in the last, I think since 2021, mm -hmm. there's been three eruptions there. And I was reading that, the, the July one that has happened in 2023, I mean, of course, you don't expect the magma to have solidified beneath it. So there was magma still there and there's magma still building up. So it's something that has been that has ha been happening since before July and it's all mm. building up now. And one eruption has already happened. But what is uh, really fascinating right now is that everyone's just waiting and monitoring as to where, I mean, they kind of predict that it's going to happen around Grindavik, but when is the question? And yeah. that yeah. is just, yeah, that, yeah, that's just really fascinating. And as you were saying, yeah. geological timelines are completely different to human <laughs> timelines. Completely, So yeah. who, yep. can, who can really say? Is there anything else that either of you would like to, to add? Uh, I don't really have anything else to add other than if you get a chance, go to Iceland. It is one of those truly spectacular places. The landscapes are phenomenal. Um, the volcanology is obviously top rate mm -hmm. and the people are just brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my dream to kind of yeah. visit Iceland someday because it's Maybe geology. not right now. Yeah, maybe not right now. <laughs> Definitely not right now. But I just like. feel that, yeah, I mean, more people should like know about what's happening in Iceland yeah. because um, this is the stuff that we kind of teach, uh, yeah. you know, to students. But it's like a real good example of what, you know, how to even, like, the entire thing of monitoring and predicting and what goes on, you know, uh, that's yeah. something that is just so exciting for students, I'm sure. So that's a great chance and great opportunity that we are getting from Iceland, unfortunately for the, for the people there, but geologically and for students and, and, and researchers of, of um, geology, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's an exciting time, I would say. Yeah, and the, the, I agree. And then, you know, you come to a place like Eastern Australia and you see old geology, you know, in yeah. terms of, you know, hundreds of million years mm. of weathering and erosion. Mm. And it's just, there's nothing quite like being on an active rift mm. to see, you know, the, the sheer scale and energy associated with volcanism on planet Earth. Right. There's really? nothing that will quite replace being out there and just, it's staggering. Yeah. It really puts you in perspective. Yeah, it yes. does. Yeah. 
Well, thank you both so, so much for coming mm-hmm. in and for teaching us a bit more about all of this stuff that's happening underground. Hopefully that was interesting and enlightening for people. And yeah, it's just really great to have you both on tune. Cheers. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, been fun. And yeah. uh, all bets are on for when it erupts, huh? <laughs> yes. Yep. We have to kind of keep monitoring that as, as ourselves as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank no, you. Thank you for coming.